folks, what's going on? This is Arden here, one-third of the Foresight Podcast. Excuse the fan if you hear it in the background right now. Um, it is extremely hot in my apartment, and I need to do everything I can to survive as I wrap up this late evening work. Um, what you're about to hear from episode 132 of the podcast is something extremely different, of course. Um, the guys and I, we didn't meet up over this past weekend because we were just very busy and whatnot and didn't really put the effort into recording a new episode. But but thank God for content. So what you're about to hear uh, is actually just, you know, a group of conversations that we were able to do a few months ago when we were doing Side Daily. You know, if you guys remember for two months during the prime run of this pandemic, no disrespect to anybody out there. Who may feel as if I'm taking the pandemic lightly? I'm not. I'm really not. But um, but when the pandemic was really, you know, in effect, you know what I mean? When things were really shut down and we were inside, we were able to do this awesome show called Foresight Daily, in which three times a week over the course of two months, we were able to just interview a who's who's list of all sorts of creatives, man, and, and just really dope people. And, and I'm extremely proud of that show and what we were able to do. And looking back at that show, because it's definitely coming back for a season two, you should already know this, so definitely be tuning into that. But when looking back at the show, I just realized, man, with each conversation, there was just another set of gems available for anybody who was listening or watching the show. You know, whether we were talking to musicians, to PR specialists, to athletes, to just any and every sort of creative out there, we were able to just get great gems, great experiences, and much more. So you're just looking at what could be a handful or maybe much more of those conversations that we did on Foresight Daily, which we feel like matches what we're all about when we do the Foresight Podcast. And we definitely hope you enjoy it. So enjoy episode 132 of the Foresight Podcast, despite its uh, different dynamic. Um, As always, follow us on social media at Foresight Network. Visit our official website, we actually have a link tree now. So if you check out our social media platforms, you will find a link to our link tree, which possesses each and every important link to the Forsyth family, network, team, regime that you need to know. And it's all in one house. Salute to link tree for that. And yeah, that's just that. Um, in September, by the way, we are back to recording the podcast on a weekly basis, which means we are back to releasing the podcast on a weekly basis every Tuesday morning for your head top. And yeah, that's just that. Free the guys up top, free the guys down low. You already know how we rocking, man. Ah, ah, ah. Enjoy the episode. Hey. Hey, guys. What's going on? This is Arden here bringing you into episode three of Foresight Daily. Thank you guys once again for tuning in. As always, follow us on social media. Make sure you're visiting our official website. And for anything related to the podcast, interviews, and much more, remember, we are always available not only on IGTV, but on all available streaming platforms. Our first guest for today, she is, in my opinion, after the last few months of just getting to know her and work with her, um, such an accomplished veteran in what she does in relations to public relations, media relations, and much more. Um, You have seen her work through her own group, the Legion Media Group, by working with brands such as Hot 97, working with the legendary diplomats and much more. She's even a content creator like me. She has her own podcast as well, Cooking Up with a Mommy Cast. We have the one and only Chanel Ray in the building. How's everything? Good morning. Good morning. I'm excited. Um, You know, I'm trying to adapt to this um, new world of ours, but I'm okay. 
That's Damn. right. And and that's been something too that is uh, you know, just thinking back to really it was this three weeks ago when like things just started rapidly changing in terms of like, hey, these events that we're all trying to do, whether it's attending, hosting, running, next you know, it's just cancel, 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 postpone, just a lot of this crazy madness. And before we get into the interview, you know, folks, if, if you know of me, you may know of me through Foresight with everything done musically. But I've also have a sports writing career where I go to a lot of live events. And uh, I think I told you this before in person, but in all seriousness, I've worked with a lot of PR people. And you're very, very high on that list just in terms of folks who just treat everybody right. Like, it doesn't matter the stature of where you are. You treat everybody right. Thank you for your timeliness with responses. That's always key. And again, you're just so professional with it. So uh, that's why I'm always happy to be able to be approved to do things under your watch because it's like I know I'm dealing with a top-notch professional and PR relations. So thank you. I, I appreciate that. That's one of my main models is to treat everyone the same. You know, um, my, um, my coach, um, who was also my journalism professor in high school, he lived by the phrase, be careful of the toes you step on today as they might be attached to the ass you may have to kiss tomorrow. Mm. And I believe in that wholeheartedly because one, you know, just from a moral standard, I treat everybody the same. Like yeah. that, that's number one. But especially in this business, like one, because I've been doing this so long, just like you, you say you noticed my professionalism, mm. I can tell right off the bat who's going to go somewhere. And just because you don't work at a top-notch brand today doesn't mean you won't in the future. Mm -hmm. And people need to be very, very mindful of that. You know, at the end of the day, Diddy was somebody's intern. Yeah. And, and I think sometimes people hide behind the brands that they represent or that they work for. And that's another reason why I'm adamant about always, as much as, you know, you see me wearing the dipset flag, yeah. I'm always repping my own behind mm -hmm. me, you know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, all you have is yourself. And mm -hmm. sometimes people hide behind logos. And then after they leave those logos, what do you have? Yeah. And, and I'm so happy you said that as well, because I've also realized that along with, I also think to just PR communicators who I think when they see certain brands or people come in, right, when it's through media and stuff, it, it kind of sways them certain ways that I think just takes away from their job from time to time. You know, it's like, I get it. They're from such and such or they are who they are. But at the end of the day, like we're all here as a collective. And, and, and don't get me wrong. There are times where there's certain things that uh, unfortunately, um, you know, lower tier um personnel or media outlets can attend certain things mm -hmm. and, and I tried my best to one um express the reason why certain people mm -hmm. get offended they don't get invited to certain things or mm -hmm. you know and, and even day-to-day -day people that I pitch regularly there there's certain there's certain places where everyone can go and mm -hmm. that includes myself you know some people might say oh Chanel I didn't see you at such and such honestly I said yeah I know but guess what? My client was there or whatever. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I, I, um, there's a time and place for everything. And it's just about, it's not really what you do, it's how you do it. Yes. Yes. What were some of your earliest PR memories? And, and before answering that, what made public relations, what made 
brand consulting be those avenues for you that you said, hey, I really want to dive into and ultimately build a career in? Well, it kind of fell into our lap. Shout out to my partner, Ian Ian Freeman. Mm -hmm. Um, We were partners in college and we got hired to do an event um, for the NAACP, their centennial. Wow. Um, Hired us to do the fashion show for their youth and college division. And um, it got national attention without us. You know, I can't say without trying. At the time I was a writer, I wrote for In Touch Weekly and my partner produced the fashion show. And I said, well, I'm a writer. I know, I know, I know other writers and I know some publicists so I can get some BC list celebrities on board and, you know, and kind of, you know, make some summer money. And this was early um, 2008. Uh, well, not early in summer of 2008, July. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we, we produced the event and it got national attention. Uh, USA Today, Seventeen Magazine, Essence, you name it. And so much attention that the designers that participated in the fashion show and even the DJ said to us after the show, hey, can you guys do PR for us? We got so much, you know, out of this. And we were like, do PR? <laughs> and like, yeah, we'll get back to you on that. Like, this was just a summer gig in our head, right? Yeah. And then... That, that fall, October of 2008, stock market crashes. Wow. I, at the time, was um, working for Advertising Age, as well as writing for InTouch. And um, stock market crash, I got laid off from Ad Age, and then assignments got less and less from InTouch. And I was like, hmm, Ian, maybe we should revisit this PR thing. But like most things, or everything that you want to do um, in life, you have to know your craft before you can succeed in it. And I did not go to school for PR. I'm a political, I have a political science degree and an English degree. Um, I'm not, I I was not, you know, aiming for public relations at all. I was supposed to be the Olivia Pope somewhere in DC and like, you know, and here I am the Olivia Pope of rappers, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) That is incredible. But, um, but yeah, so, um, with that said, we're going to start this PR thing. We brought in a, uh, a, a third partner. Shout out to Sasha Thompson. She came up and it, she went to school for PR. She was doing PR for Brooklyn Museum. And she came and she gave us the ultimate structure and kind of showed, showed us how things were organized and presented and just, you know, tightened everything that we were doing. And I, I will forever uh, be appreciative of her for taking that initiative for us and, you know, and help us, you know, really legitimize what we were doing. What would be something about working in PR that would surprise people? Um, the amount of work that actually goes behind the scenes in doing all of this. I feel like, especially with social media today and doing it for the gram, people mm-hmm. only see your finished work of what you actually present. So you know, they see, they see all of the, the end game. They don't see what goes on the months of work behind an activation. Mm-hmm. And that's my frustration sometimes because you get people that think that what we do is so glamorous and so like, you uh-huh. know, we're flashing lights and like, no, dude, there's real work. I get yeah. up at 530 every morning. It's work. Mm-hmm. Yep. You, you're not lying about that. And it's, and it's even just seeing the work that you guys have to do on the day of. 
So it's not even like it's one of those things where, and, and I go back to my sports writing experience where with the, with the folks who I've spoken with and they let me in, it's like, I know of the, the work that you have to do leading up to this game, but just to see what you have to do on the day of, it's, I just watch you guys all the time and they're like, it's really like watching a chicken with their head cut off, but they know where they're going. Like you guys somehow know where you're going. You, you have to know where you're going and day of activations, especially events or most activations, they, the, your stress levels go really high up and you have to know how to deal with that. Um, and especially, you know, when you do, um, you know, maybe annual events and it's not like something you do consistently, mm-hmm. you might get so overwhelmed in your anxiety and your stress and your blood pressure, all of these things go up. Um, mm-hmm. So it, it's a constant you know, battle with yourself of staying cool, calm, and collected. Yep. That's right. That's right. That's how you help all of us in attendance to do what we do. But you guys are the real MVPs, as KD once said. Um, mm-hmm. You are the first PR specialist that I've ever interviewed, by the way. So I want to give you your flowers for that. I've Thank always worked you. with Tama. You're the first PR specialist I've ever worked with. So with that, this next question I always wanted to know, always wanted to know, what are your personal do's and don'ts for while working this job? You mean for other publicists or people that want to be? Uh, in I would say, I would say, let's start off with you. I would say, let's start off with you. You could give one personal do and don't, and just then after that, give what you feel like should be a person, what should be a do and don't in general. For, for me, friend. for me, it's never, it's never selling anyone the dream. I always say in pitching someone or people that want to work with me, I will never, ever, ever sell someone a dream that I can't deliver on. Because at the end of the day, my reputation, my name is everything. Every client that I've gotten has been by referral. Mm -hmm. I don't go out pitching often. Um, Yes, for some of the bigger projects that we work on collectively as, um, as my team, we might go after, you know, um, uh, movie premieres or uh, some digital activations um, but for the most part especially in the music and entertainment room these these um, these clients come by referral so I I will never ever jeopardize my reputation I'm never gonna tell someone I can deliver something that I can't mm-hmm. I always tell people that I don't work for these publications or these you know media outlets that you want to you know get on so yes you may see me posted up with elliot wilson or b dot but guess what that don't mean you're gonna be on the crown or rap radar tomorrow you know <laughs> what i'm saying like no the favor is that elliot or b dot might answer my call you know that doesn't mean that you know after that your content has to, has to deliver so again that's just me staying true to myself and never putting, um, letting people like you feel like you have to do something because it's Chanel. No, mm-hmm. you, you, my, our only favor of you is to answer my emails or to listen to whatever it is, my pitches. Mm-hmm. And after that, that's on you. Like, I don't, I don't put that pressure on my, on my peers and which ultimately become my friends because I speak to you guys more than I do sometimes my own, you know, relatives. That's real. That's real. Damn, I felt that. That was a bar. That was a bar. Yeah, I definitely felt that. And just to even bring it back to present day, you know, through through your own work with your very own Legion Media Group, again, like I said in the beginning, having a chance to work with High 97, having a chance to work with diplomats, 
what is something that you continue learning about yourself along the way? Being somebody that is not only very busy with your career, but you, you continue to be in these noticeable situations that you're helping put together, like you said, activate and bring to life. What is something that you continue to learn along the way? Not to take everything personal. Sometimes when things happen in a business situation, it's best to leave emotion out of it. Um, that helps you, one, reflect on the actual situation at hand and learn how to maneuver without emotion. All right. Last question that I have for you. Um, despite what has been going on these times, on a scale of one through 10, with, with 10 being the, obviously the highest that you can go to the most severe or, or whatever, how drastically did your creative plans change because of what's been happening with the coronavirus? Um, I want to say it changes every day. Okay. Because as you know, the news has been changing every day. First they told us we didn't need to put on masks. Now they're telling us we going out tomorrow and we have to wear masks. Mm -hmm. So I want to say, you know, I'm a planner. I can have as much um, on my to-do list that I can. And that means preparing to be in the house. That means getting as much food that I could, you know, bring into the house, water, make sure my grandmother is good, you know, make sure I took out money, um, you know, just in case money, make sure I have my emergency bag at the door, God forbid, electric water goes out, whatever, I, I'm, I, my, I have to make sure my son and I have our to-go bags at the door, preparing our emergency documents, knowing where everybody's birth certificate, social security cards, everything is, everything is in the emergency bag ready to go. I could be that prepared because I am a planner, but what I'm not prepared for is the emotional toll. Uh -huh. Every other post on Facebook is me wishing someone condolences, uh -huh. um, knowing that my best friend now has the virus. And, you know, and it, the emotional toll is what I did not prepare for. So as much as, you, you know, I have my to-do list of all the creative things that I want to do and, oh, my life is going to be different because we're going to do X, Y, and Z, or no, I'm going to revisit, you know, and connect with people that I haven't. Yes, I've been able to do some of this and some of that, but what I also didn't prepare for is, you know, um, I have a son. And he's now home. Thankfully, right now, you know, he he's uh, with his dad as I'm doing this interview. But, um, you know, figuring out how to play teacher and and then still do what I do. Um, yes, for the most part, I do work from home. I go to the station, as you know, and, you know, and media runs with clients and so on. But for the most part, I'm, I'm not new to the Zoom stuff. Y'all are new to Zoom. <laughs> like, I've been, yeah. I've been here with the Zoom. Mm -hmm. um, but I, again, did not factor in, okay, three hours of my day is legit spent with my son here, too. And, you know, and, and obviously he's here the whole time, but what I mean, like legit focus on his academics yeah. or preparing lunch or putting him down for a nap, you know, those sort of things that in my normal work day, that's three hours that um, are now consumed of taking care of a little man. So mm -hmm. again, you can have all the plans that you want to have. What 
you know, life every day is now different and figuring out how to maneuver with that has been something that you can't prepare for. Chanel, thank you so much for doing this interview again. Definitely had this in my thoughts for a while and I was like, I definitely got to speak with Chanel, man. I definitely got to speak to, it's going to happen. It's going to be great. And seriously, thank you so much for making this happen. Thank you so much for just your professionalism. And, you know, I know people could be over the top and go, oh, you changed my life and you did this and that. But seriously, yeah. for what you've done for, for Foresight, just giving us the chance to, to cover, you know, the, the Hot 9 events and for us to have that interview, seriously, it meant so much to us. It meant so much to people just from the area seeing that. And again, it was all because of you. Thank you so much. Um, no problem. Thank you for considering me. And I wish you all the the best and uh, stay healthy, stay blessed. And I know you're going to go far. So again, real recognizes real. And I know you're going to go far. So best of luck. Thank you so much. All right. You have a good rest of the day. All right. Thanks. You too. Hey guys, what's up? This is Arden here. Continuing the second half of Foresight Daily. Thank you guys once again for tuning in and sticking around with us. As always, please follow us on social media, visit the official website and much more for the second half of the show. I'm really excited, man. These guys, it's funny enough, I'll tell you guys who I interviewed this morning for the first half of the show. When I told them that I was going to speak with you, they was like, oh, man, you're speaking with some legends right there, <laughs> speaking with some big-time guys. And I'm like, of course, I'm more than grateful for it. And the best thing about it is that they're from the crib. They're from Westchester, you know, just having that connection. And ever since we had the chance to interview these guys on episode 70 of the Foresight Podcast last year in January, um, there was already getting big time. There was already getting better, but they've only gotten better and better. And these guys, you know, over the course of the years, checking them out, they've released the book. They've released that album. They have a really good podcast that's come on a weekly basis. They have done live shows. And now they've been doing a daily show called Quarantine Radio. I have Jeff and Eric Rosenthal from It's The Real. What's going on, guys? What's what happening? Up? How are you? I'm doing good. Feeling good, feeling better. Just trying Shout to out. Listen, shout out to everybody in Westchester, um, especially right now. I think that, um, you know, yeah, having, Westchester was really hard hit. Having it been yeah. the, uh, the epicenter, one of the epicenters of this, this whole thing has been super scary. And uh, for everyone up there who's continuing to fight it, to stay safe, to stay indoors, we salute you. And, uh, you know, one day at a time, you know? Absolutely. One day at a time. And it's something where there was a little bit of good news. I think uh, Governor Como said it may have been like a day or two ago in his briefing that Westchester was starting to make some progress. I mean, yep. obviously, we're not out of the woodworks yet, but just hearing that is great. Again, like we've been saying, please, folks, continue staying inside, continue taking the best care of yourself. If you have to be out there, make sure it's for the right reasons, and please practice social distancing. Nothing more, Absolutely. nothing less. But uh, yeah. just to get into it, guys. Um, let me just say, and I'm not just saying this because you're in front of me here. I know Tory Lanez has been cooking up with the quarantine radio name, but you guys are the originals. Let me That's get right. Thank you. Right yeah. yeah. Finally. Again. <laughs> I'm just letting y'all know. I've seen he's cooking up with it, but I'm like, I know the originals of this. I remember seeing this pop up on my timeline first. It was you guys. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know what, though? I think that, that the name is only part of it. You know, it, yeah. it, was, it was our creation. We did come up with it about eight or nine days before him. But mm -hmm. it's, about the, it's about the product. He's yeah. doing a cool product. We're doing a cool product. I think that uh, it, more than the name is the, uh, is, is the heart in the phone calls, is the, is the humor in the phone calls, yeah. and the fact that, like, that we are doing this daily and that people can, like, look to us hopefully for a, a little escapism and maybe some information and uh, just a good time. 
Yeah, I'm but, not looking to go to war with Tory Lanez no. over uh, over the quarantine name. radio. <laughs> it's not like a hill I'm ready to die on. <laughs> just making sure you guys getting your flowers, man. Thank I, you very much. Appreciate that. Off, no problem. Just to kick this off again, this has been a question that. It's not only personal for me, but it's been personal with every type of person I've been speaking with that is a creative of some sorts. Um, did you ever have that moment of doubt when you started realizing that, wow, this, this is really impacting what we do on a daily basis with all of our creative efforts? Yeah, I think that we noticed that the coronavirus was affecting what we were doing on a weekly basis. Yeah. You know, I think that we, started, we saw um, the news start coming in and then as soon as we started seeing the possibility that that people who have been flying in from L.A. might not want to take those trips. Or even that we wouldn't want to have people come over to our house. Yeah. Um, that definitely had a big effect on us. And we immediately pivoted. I mean, I think that that's a cool thing about the, the lane that we operate in and the independence that we have is that yeah. you can switch and you can figure out a solution to things. So if there was a doubt, it was short-lived, and I think that we're both um, very thankful that we took the measures we had to take to get this thing going on time, early, and and keep it going. Yeah, but there hasn't been like any doubts like since starting it. Yeah, I think that once we did it, we were just like, all right, just keep going. Like, there's nothing else we can do. Mm-hmm. And you guys are already at the type of creatives where it's daily, weekly. You guys always have something in a tuck. And just to just speak on quarantine radio and its creation. I honestly compared it to just that aha moment when you go through the beginning of this where it's like, all right, freak, we need to, like you said, pivot and we need to readjust. And you guys just came up with it and it's been sticking and it's been something people are looking forward to. Um, What made you guys decide to want to do a daily show? Because it's already a lot doing a weekly show Uh, to make this transition now, whether it's for the meantime or permanently to do a daily show. Yeah. What made you guys get into that? We were, we were looking at the landscape. We saw which way the winds were blowing. We knew that if, if I don't even want to call it the worst case scenario, but, but you know, if there was a chance that people were going to be spending most of their time at home, they need content. And for us to sit back and do a once a week thing like we were doing was not going to cut it. And yeah. we knew that we had to flood the market and we had to, make sure that we were a presence in people's lives every single morning or noon or night whenever they listen to it, but that we would provide something that, you know, would, would, uh, would, fill, would fill up the, the empty bucket that they had. Because I know myself, I'm always waiting on my YouTube subscriptions to update. I'm always waiting on that podcast to download. And if I'm stuck there with nothing else to do, then I'm going to want more and more and soon it will run out. But I also think like even aside from a business decision, I think that for us, it matters to break out of our apartment by making these three phone calls every day and to be able to talk to people who are going through this situation that literally every single person, rich, poor, old, young, um, American, un-American, or yeah. living elsewhere. I don't want to say un-American, but like, um, you know, wherever where every single person on this earth right now is affected by this thing. And it's just like, we, we need to connect to those people to not feel crazy in here. Mm-hmm. And, and that's such a great point because outside of just that last point, it goes back to something I've been telling, you know, my fellow teammates, you know, on Foresight and just other friends of my dad are creatives. It's 
as crazy as the situation is, um, as unfortunate as it is, you know, and I know this can annoy people. I'm definitely that guy that tries to find a realistic positive uh, out of everything. And the one thing I said is, hey, guys, as content creators, this there's going to be no greater time, God forbid, where people are going to want to consume content. And yes and no, because because mm-hmm. it's an interesting thing. I, I, I've been reading all these uh, stats about how music consumption first in Italy and then over here has gone way down. Mm -hmm. And then also podcast numbers have also gone way down because nobody's commuting anywhere and nobody has that real structure to their day. Mm -hmm. But because we provide a sense of regularity and normalcy Mm -hmm. in a very unnormal um, world right now, I think that's why our podcast has been doing so well, Mm -hmm. but it is still a, a very dicey ground. I don't, I don't know. Um, like there's a lot of people who are putting out new content. There's a lot of people who have not been able to put out new content because of the, of the coronavirus yeah. and, and not being able to go into work and stuff. But I think we're, we're still figuring out if people want more just for the sake of having more. You yeah. Know I, I, mean? I think, I think just like in any other market, you have to figure out what the people want and, um, and, and make it work for them. You know, I think, uh, we can only speak to, to our experience, which yeah. is that like, you know, you know, you, you, you try some things, you try some other things, hopefully some of it will work and you go with what works or you push through in a smart way. And I think that we've done both. Yeah. I think if we were having the conversations that we had been having, it might not have been performing well, as well as the stuff that we're doing now, which is more speaking to the situation at hand. And then, and then for those people who are looking for more of an escape, Again, I think we're lucky to have this, but we have a 307 episode catalog, uh, catalog that yeah. people yeah. can revisit. So we're starting to bring those and point those out as well for people who are looking for, you know, something that's not necessarily here today in this world. Mm-hmm. I'm actually happy uh, you, you brought up that last point, Jeff, because there are going to be creatives out there, right? And everybody's at their own stage of this, right? You guys are at that stage. I'm, I'm at this stage and others are wherever they are. Uh, what would be your biggest piece of advice that you would give to somebody during these times who are having a conversation like we're having, which is, hey, do you, based off reading the market and based off how you really feel about your content, do you want to have more of a presence than ever or do you continue to read it out until you make the next move or do you fall back because i'm really happy you made that point because this is going to be a greater point that all of us need to just keep in mind yeah i think it's the same thing as as what's happening with a lot of artists who some are putting their music out now because there's a very open landscape and there are some artists who are pushing their shit back because it doesn't ring off the same way Mm -hmm. that 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 feels right so it's like if your content is right for the moment, then you should put it out and mm-hmm. you should double down on that. If it's not right for the moment and you feel like I need to put it out in a world where things are more normal, where people can go outside, where people can you know, listen to this uh, while they're commuting to work or even just driving uh, to the park or literally anywhere <laughs> to the grocery store, literally yeah. going outside because Eric and I haven't been outside in like eight days or something crazy. Jeez. But, but like, you know, I think that's important. It's like you have to think of the context in which you put your product out there. Yeah. So you're going you're gonna to hear less turn up music. You're going to hear less upbeat and uh, party music. Mm-hmm. And you're probably going to get stuff that speaks to the times that we are living in right now more than you would have before. Yeah. Although I did see that Drake is putting up a more like 
mm-hmm. upbeat sort of record. So I mean, TikTok's I, I guess, coming. Well, like, yeah, like, but like it, you never know if like I might just be talking bullshit right now. Like I, I don't, I don't. Well, nobody knows anything. Yeah, but I think it's also not. It's not one thing or another. It's a bunch of gray in the middle. Yeah. You know, you can still have Drake, and people are going to go on TikTok, like you're saying, and people are going to enjoy themselves, and everyone's going to feel a part of something and dance. But you're also going to have the people who are like, "Hey, I'm not feeling great." This is the reality of my days, mm-hmm. and I want to express that. And people are like, I can relate to that as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the best powers that at the end of the day comes down to just creatively, just, you know, if you're somebody that's open-minded and you're really keeping everything into consideration, it, it will ultimately feel you, you know, it's, and, and again, it's just great just having just this back and forth because, you know, me personally, just doing a lot of stuff on a daily basis with the sports writing, I'm used to, hey, I have to cook up on a daily basis, or I want to just keep my presence out there. So it's always fun hearing that, I don't want to say completely opposite side, but just different sides to it. That's like, hey, young fella, like, keep this into consideration. At the end of the day, we just all getting smarter over here, which is which is what I love. Have yeah, to. I mean, trying to, you know. Mm-hmm. And again, since we we had you guys on on episode seventy, you know, January twenty nineteen, we even had the chance to uh, run into each other um, at Guap Dad Four Thousands listening party. Yep, yep, yep. That yeah, was yeah. a lot of fun. Um, yeah. Again, it's just it's just always great seeing you guys just have the the progression that you guys have had, and it's just a point where it's like bigger guest, new look. Uh, new content just new everything here and i also think too you know in all seriousness you guys are getting to the point of your careers and my honest and humble opinion where i think people are honestly starting to give you your flowers especially when they really look at you guys like yo these cats are damn near or really about a decade into the game and they've been doing this and that and it's not just, oh, these were the two white guys that did an album or did yeah, the book yeah. or whatever with Bun B. It's like, yo, these guys are cultural figures. And that guy who I spoke with earlier that called you guys legends and he was like, salute, was uh, Carl Lamar from Billboard. Billboard's a oh, yeah. editor. That's Such our guy. guy. He's yeah. a great yeah. dude. Yeah, he's, he's, a great he's speaking with the legends right there. <laughs> I think that... Um, and by the way, Carl's a legend himself. He is. And mm-hmm. thank, you very, thank you very much. Um, it's, it's a weird thing because, you know... We live in, in, in our bodies, right? We see out of our eyes and it's like, yeah, what are we doing? You know, we do this, we're continuing to put out content, whatever. Um, from someone else's perspective, they see, you know, our career in a different way. And it is, it's, it's very, um, it's, it's, it's really dope to hear people's thoughts uh, and, and look at our legacy and look at what we've built um, from their eyes. It's really flattering. Yeah, it's just something where it's just, again, even as somebody who just tunes in and sees, again, we're often reminded of the people who we follow and we check out. Like, it's like with artists, right? There's artists who we've been, whether it's a hove or whoever, that you go back and look and you go, damn, like, they've been out here for, for this long or I've been rocking with them for this long and, wow, they did this and they did that. And, that, and I think it's to the point where I've seen it on the timeline when you guys have interacted with fans and you guys, and, and I really appreciate the fact that in all seriousness that you guys uh, have been more and more just looking back at your journey and, and really just talking your stuff, man. Cause it's like, yo, y'all deserve that. Right. Like for real, Thank like you. talk that Thank stuff, you. bro. Like y'all yeah. put more than the 10,000 yeah. hours. Well, we, uh, we had a, we had a fantastic conversation with um, 
with Brandon Jinx Jenkins. Shout out um, to Jinx. Yeah, uh, back in December. And that episode was unlike our normal arc that we, that we, because we've had him on the podcast a number of times, but to be able to uh, sit down and be like, hey, let's give ourselves some flowers too, because we're allowed to celebrate what we've built as well. That was a very refreshing conversation and a nice turn for what can be like monotonous or regular or uh, predictable, you know? So it was nice to sit down and be like, yo, like, yeah, I did some cool stuff this year and I'm glad that I can acknowledge that. How have you guys, um, Jeff in particular starting this off, how have you guys been able to balance out having perspective of what has been done, especially over the last year, versus still keeping it in perspective of what I you think guys still need to do? Oh, I think that uh, <laughs> you're talking to the to two guys who are very humble and, and you know, um, you know, I think that we've always kept in mind how people will call us like legend, um, but then the person next to that person doesn't know who we are. You know, yeah. there, there's, yeah. you know, there's a lot of work to be done. Um, we, we, we have a lot of plans that we haven't been able to afford to do. You know, there's, there's a lot that we've done on our own. I think that we're, we're looking forward to a time when there's a little bit more backing um, under us. And I, I think that there's, you know, it, sometimes it feels like you're on step one sometimes it feels like you're on step a thousand and you're only getting credit for being at step 50 <laughs> you know like it, it 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 never you can never feel comfortable even when you do things that like resonate um with like you know the people that, that you normally resonate with you have to break out of that and you have to get bigger and bigger and more consistent and you know there's there's i think that eric and i um and especially me i i, I question everything <laughs> um on a day-to-day basis so you know i all that to say i i don't know <laughs> <laughs> i hear you on that that's that's fair that's very fair um before yeah. we wrap up just looking at the landscape ig live is at an all-time high yeah. um again we spoke about the fact artists are trying to figure out what to do with the music but it seems like more than ever there is a greater embrace of social media and making yourself present um artists showing off more of their personalities, the personalities being personalities and much more. Uh, how do you feel about that? I love it. I think it's now's the time for people to, uh, you know, speak their voice. It's, it's tough being indoors. It's tough being by yourself. Um, check in on all your friends who live on their own. You know, I think that, you know, in, in, in today's day and age, like, you know, Jeff and I live together because it's cheaper like that, right? Like, mm-hmm. but um, we've developed something where, uh, you know, we, we work well together, we live together. And in these times right now, I got to say, it is nice to have, you know, a roommate here to pick me up or I pick him up or we can just, you know, laugh together. Check in on all your people who are living, by a, uh, living on their own and by themselves. But uh, on that point, People who, uh, who are by themselves want to get their voices out there too. And maybe the only way to communicate on a bigger level is to get on Instagram live and go to their 10 friends or 20 friends or 100,000 friends or a million friends, whatever it is. And to be seen, to be heard is really essential right now. And I think it's an amazing tool that 
maybe seemed like a throwaway only a couple of years ago. And maybe people thought it was like a nuisance that it, you know, pops up at the top of your screen or whatever it is. Accidentally then, click on it. <laughs> yeah. Now, now, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm but, always hopping in people's lives and I'm the only one there. And then I have to like. But now like, it's an essential tool. Yeah. And I think it's really, really awesome. Not only for people who want to speak out, but also people who want to watch and enjoy and be part of a community like that, you know, that uh, the club quarantine with D-Nice, or if you're uh, part of something like the battles, like we've been yeah. seeing, I think that's super exciting that people can comment and see other people commenting and, you know, whatever it is to connect outside your window, to connect outside your door while still staying inside is super, super important. I think that um, IG live and everything is, is very important. I do think that you don't have to put everything out on the internet just because it's there. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people put things on the internet and to larger groups of people to make themselves feel better. Um, and I think that, that we're going to see that especially now. Um, but I wish that, that a lot of people just talk to their friends. You know, I think that, that it's okay to have some mystery on the internet. Like you don't have to um, put everything out there. I've been I've been living by that. I've been living by that over the last year, just trying to change those habits and it's been working. Hey fellas, thank you so much, man, for coming on the show. Seriously, it means so much to me and my oh, team, you. man. Uh, all love. Listen, thank you very much. Uh we appreciate you uh putting the content out, checking in on us. We appreciate your positive attitude. Believe me, in these times it's it's very, very much appreciated. And um Listen, we'll keep doing our job. You keep doing yours and we'll uh, get through this day by day, right? Absolutely. That sounds like a plan. Folks, thank you once again for tuning in. It's a new episode of Foresight Daily. This is Arden signing off. See you guys. All right. Folks, what's going on? This is Arden here bringing you into a new edition of Foresight Daily. First things first, happy Memorial Day to you and your family. Hopefully you're making the most of it despite these quarantine times. And of course, Huge salute to all the good people that served and protected our rights over the years. Love is love. Now, this next guest that we have on the show today, this is somebody who I honestly feel like is a prime example of there are levels to <clears throat> up and coming to who's emerging. Uh, I've been fortunate enough to speak with a lot of emerging artists who are doing their thing. But this dude, ever since I saw him perform for the first time last December at SOB's, shutting it down to releasing a really dope album in spiritual levels a couple months later to just seeing his buzz grow along with his work grow he didn't just let the work die down he's continuing to work he's continuing to do his thing and i'm really happy about the fact that i have him on the show today we got the good brother rich p in the building what's up yes sir yes sir man thank you for having me love is love my brother that's right. that's right i appreciate you man for real seriously bro it's been Ever since I got in tune with you last December, you know, when I was covering the High 97 Who's Next show, you know, determining the winner who's going to perform at their holiday show, uh, just not too long after that, I was like, yo, Rich P. I was like, I got to stay in tune with this dude, man. Because just seeing you rock the crowd that night and just mm. seeing the connection that you have with the fans and folks who really champion you and to see that carry over has been really, really dope. So that just leads me into this first question, man. You know, again, these last handful of months where you wrote have been incredible. You know, the, the album in particular, Spiritual Levels, was at one point within, what, the top 60 or top 50 on, on Apple Music? Like, that's an 
pre- uh, that's, a, that's an accomplishment in itself, just seeing the music that you've been putting out, the way you've been moving. So how have you been able to deal with that, with that other level of success in recent months? Um, well, first, thank you, man. Um, I definitely appreciate the love. Uh, it's been a, it's been an incredible journey. You know, um, I've been putting work for a long time and, uh, man, the past couple months is kind of like, a like a tornado of just like things happening and, and things just like leveling up, which, um, I guess I could say I was prepared for, you know, when you believe in yourself and you like really actually believe in your craft, I think like, um, it's still surreal. Like, don't get it twisted. Like, it's it's still days where you like, damn, like, you really got people listening to you all over the world. Like, sometimes when I check, like, the streaming charts and I see what countries listen to me and it was, you know, I get a notification like, you know, you got 10 streams today in Mexico and it's just like, you know, it might be 10, but damn, like, today, 10 people in Mexico was listening to me. Like, mm-hmm. Like it's it's uh it's definitely a it's a it's a, a surreal feeling, but it's it's wild, man. Um, I'm definitely fortunate. Um, but at the same token, um, I, it's, it has nothing to do with luck, man. It's just all hard work and just reaping the benefits of believing in yourself. You know, it sounds good to say you believe in yourself, but you gotta take action when you believe in yourself, you got to invest in, in your, in your craft. You got to market yourself. You got to pay to put yourself out there. It costs, it takes money to make money. So, you know, if you're not going to make those sacrifices of, you know, putting that bottom dollar on everything you believe in, um, you're not going to see the results that people like myself and other artists who are rising are getting. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's been, it's been quite the journey up until the album release and since it's been out, the reception has been unanimous. It's been like crazy. Everybody love the album. Everybody got their own set of favorite records. So um, I'm just, I'm just a sponge, man. I'm soaking it all in. And uh, you know, it's, it's no taking the foot off the gas now. Here you are now, absolutely. And speaking of the album, you know, I, I personally have a couple of uh, favorites from the album, obviously not real, mama mm-hmm. mentality, you know, really just loving those records. But for an album like that, you know, what was the thought process behind the album? Why the name Spiritual Levels? Why just the sonic direction you went in with this album? What made Spiritual Levels come about? Um, a mixture of a lot of things. Um, you know, um, I watch a lot of rap interviews. I watch a lot of interviews in general. I read and, mm-hmm. and watch a lot of interviews. And I was watching... I remember vividly watching this performance from Kanye a long time ago during the 808s and Heartbreak era. And he gave this speech to the crowd saying that um, the reason why artists don't last is because they're always trying to recreate their first project. And he would artists, especially rappers, suffer the most from that because they're afraid of growth. They're mm-hmm. always catch like flashes and glimpses of the greatness their first album had because they're so busy trying to recreate it so my goal was to actually not try and make um not try and make another album that i made two years ago to kick in it with my pops project i didn't want to recreate that i wanted to be better than that project a lot of people struggle with their second album because you know there's a lot of pressure yo 
my goal is like, I know I'm talented. I know, but I'm also not going to hold back. I'm not going to worry about what people may think if I try something new. And if I step out of my comfort zone with the singing, the harmonies and, but main inspiration for this album was um, my spiritual growth. Um, you know, during the process of making this album, I went vegan. I started reading books again, um, which was like my New Year's resolution going into 2019 was to start reading again because it was years since I read a book. And um, I was kind of ashamed of that. Like, man, like every rapper that I pretty much idolized, like reads a lot, like Jay-Z, Nipsey, you know, um, Nas, J. Cole, Kendrick, like Big Sean, you know, these dudes read books faithfully. And I'm just like, man, and not just because of they read it, they read, but I know for a fact the reason why their their skill set and maturity in their music is the way it is, is because of the knowledge that they're getting. Mm-hmm. But played a massive inspiration on the project. Um I always I always was a big fan of Nip. And um when I first started making this album. I had kind of like got into this reintroduction. Like I've been a Nip fan since like '09. You know, I I was looking back at my old tweets when I was like from 2009. Like, yo, I fuck with Nipsey crazy, and um, but his moral integrity was something that I always admired. And man, when he passed away, it hit me like real hard. I didn't even expect it to actually like hit me like that, but yeah. I just that um someone I began like studying almost for years for like I was studying his every move because my pops would call me like yo you need to follow the the blueprint that Nip is laying out he was like because it falls right into what you're doing and he would call me like yo you see Nip is investing in cryptocurrency like check it out and I just started watching him all over again and I'm just like man like this dude he's really it and he's been on that long journey you know, putting in work for years, just, you know, and he put out his debut album at 33 and, and, you know, he put out that critically acclaimed project victory lap. But when he passed away, I felt like I lost somebody I knew. And I was like, like, don't make any sense. And, you know, a lot of things that I took from him as far as wisdom and uh, morals, principles and values, they're all embedded into this project. Uh, so he he became like the source of inspiration to make the album like heavily and also a little bit of a re-listening to classic uh 90s albums like mainly mob deep i was listening to a lot of mob deep in the midst of making this project so you got a lot of nip and mob deep inspiration this is j cole that is incredible man and honestly man the the, the last part of soliloquy i really really identify with in terms of just that discovery you have to do even as a creative. Right. Making something and, and you have to find the things that you can improve at, the things that you need to embrace. Absolutely. Along with just when it comes to, again, studying people, you know, obviously you look at our, you know, part of our culture and our generation, folks mm-hmm. will take that and think, oh, you're trying to bite somebody's style or do whatever. And it's like, no, I'm not biting Nip right. anybody saw because I'm studying them and, and I'm influenced by them. I'm still me. I'm, I'm still ardent. I'm still Rich P. But I'm right. just on game. You feel me? And and that's the way that Nip, Hove, Nas, any of them, that's what they would have wanted. They would have wanted for you to watch and study them and still be your own person. So I, I really was able to relate to that because I'm in the same boat as you. Right. Despite being in, in a different lane with, with the music. And mm-hmm. 
when it comes to just New York's rap scene in general, you know, it, it's always highly contested. You know, it's always highly contested in terms of what era we in, who's doing what, who's doing this. But it feels good to say, at least over the last couple of years, it's been more of a united front, right? Like we've had megastars, then we had the up and comers, and then we got folks in between. So I wanted to start by asking first, what are your overall feelings about New York's current rap scene? And secondly, what does Rich P do that elevates New York's rap scene? Um, well, first, um, I'm definitely excited about the rap scene in New York. I feel real good and proud of it because, you know, for a long time, we've been off. Like, we, we, we wasn't getting love for a long time. Like, we was going through it. Like, it was crazy. Like, I just remember it was all about the South. And um, when I went to Miami for Art Basel back in December, when I heard them playing Pop Smoke and Favio everywhere I went, I was like, damn. And my man was like, yo, yo, we in Miami and all they playing is New York records. Facts. Mm-hmm. I said, I didn't even think about it that way. I was like, yo, like, this is crazy. Like, we really back. Like, we really back. And it's just getting bigger and bigger, man. We got, we got Davies. We got Fabio. Rest in peace, Pop Smoke. We got 22 G's. We got Jay out of Prince. We got Cardi B. We got Fab still. We got Jim Jones. We got all those guys. Got a uh, uh, man, uh, Chef G. Bobby and them coming home. Coming home. We got um, Smooth L. Um, and then you got me, which I feel like yeah. is like kept secret. Um, and I feel like I stand out uh, when when it comes to the New York scene because um, I feel like. Um, my skill set separates me. Like, mm. not only am I a great MC, but I know how to craft records. And I think a lot of great MCs struggle with that in the past, like, couple, like, like the past decade or plus. You know, the nice rappers, when they try to appeal to the masses, they go so far left making these records that compromise their, their artistic integrity. They go so commercial that it's cringeworthy. Mm-hmm. But I Finding that balance of, all right, how do I make this song appeal to everyone? Like a not real, like, you know, not real is as raw as a record that comes. Like, but I know when I write music, all right, I need something. I need a part in this record for everyone to sing along to. But I also need for everyone that respects an MC to go, damn, he's nice. So you squeeze in the... You know, they out of line, nigga. You know, everybody's going to scream. There's a difference between Bobby Schmurders and... Like, that's something everybody... It makes people react. And it's something that you can, you can rap along to. It's not too... I don't understand what he's saying. Like, it's clear as day. And I learned that early on. So my uncles used to tell me growing up, like, yo, if you're going to rap, be clear. It was like, you know, all the great rappers were very clear. You could understand every word they said. You can, every, you can understand. Biggie says you can understand every word Tupac says when he raps and Jay-Z and Nas he was like so when you rap make sure you're not slurring make sure your words come out crisp and I think that's one of the main reasons why I thrive as an artist and I have the complete package like a lot of these rappers sometimes they just got the beats and cadence but they lack lyrical ability and I think the perfect artist is a superstar is someone that has the, the production the cadences 
the actual song structure mm-hmm. matter, but also on top of that, they can rap. And I have every element of those. So I think that's why I stand out amongst everyone when it comes to New York and just the rap scene in general. I totally agree with that, man. I totally agree with that. And that's something too, that when I decided to dive into more of the music from that night in December, mm-hmm. honestly, your, your clarity was something that stood out. It, it was your clarity. Along the fact, I was like, yo, I was like, yo, Buddy's pin game is nice. I'm like, I, like, I see the vision. Like, he can give me something as gritty as not real. I forgot the couple other records I went through when I was on my way home, but I'm like, I hear the diversity. Like, I see where he's going. And I see the fact that, and I don't know if many people know this about writers, especially in music, the ability that even if you're making like a particular song, right? So again, with with Not Real, yeah, Not Real has that cohesive sound and and the main subject, but the fact that you can hit hit on different levels of it to still be like, hey, let me get to here, let me get to there. Like, it kind of reminds me of something Drake has always said about his songwriting and it's more about the standpoint of he was like, when I write songs sometimes, he says, I think about if I'm performing this at a show. All day. What parts the crowd is going to get to? What's going to like maintain and keep people in? You and I remember hearing him say that like seven, eight years ago. So it's like, you're not that, alone, bro. That's something you have to be very mindful of. Like, yo, when I perform this, how is it going to hit? Like how I'm thinking when I'm writing this from a performance perspective, so, um, and I think the real talent comes in when you can actually write something that hits on both in the speakers, in bed, or when you, when you home, relaxing, but also live as well. So, yeah, I, I've, I've always studied that aspect as well. And I remember vividly Drake saying that, which is very true. Absolutely, bro. Last question I got for you, Rich, before I let you go, man. Um, I honestly feel like so far with your career, it's, it's definitely something that one could look at and be inspired by. And that's why I love doing the show and a lot of things we do at Foresight because there's so many great lessons to, to learn from artists like yourself that are up and coming and independent and et cetera. Uh, for advice for anybody else, if there was one word you can tell them to think about and keep in mind as they progress with their career, what would it be? Uh, without question, it's invest. Mm. That's something that a lot of people don't want to hear. But um, if you have the talent, which is the most important thing, right after that comes investment. True. Uh, you know, if Grand Theft Auto and Rockstar Games still pay $700,000 a month for a billboard on Melrose Drive in California, drive by, you look up at it and you like, yo, I got to pick that game up when I get home or when late, I'm picking that game up this week. If you can't even put $500 into your marketing or a social media campaign or to sponsor your content, I don't understand why you would think you would get any further in your career. Mm. There's billion dollar companies who still spend top dollar to market their stuff because mm. they product. So, the thing is, is that when you're talented, all you have to do is get heard. And if you're not sponsoring your content and spread it, it's just like being online today, sponsoring your content is the internet version of you being on the corner handing out, yo, here, here's my CD, here's my, 
you know, you can spread your, your content and it can go viral and, you know, you have to market yourself. Record labels still sponsor albums and put out. Why you think when people get signed, they have a marketing budget? Why do you think there's a marketing department for an artist when they get signed? Mm-hmm. If they give you a million dollar deal and half a million is for the marketing side and to, to for your project, like, how do you expect to even get to that point if you're not willing to invest in yourself? You got to spend the money. But the thing is, a lot of these artists don't believe in themselves the way they tell you they do. Yeah. They would rather look like success than actually chase it. You know? So instant gratification is what's killing everyone today. When you spend money on marketing, there is no instant gratification. That's just money coming out. And you don't know if that's coming back in anytime soon. So instant gratification is when a rapper gets to go to the studio. They'll spend money on that because... You know, being in the studio, you get the song right there. You get to take videos. You get to smoke. You get to drink with your, your your team. So that instant gratification from the studio, that's why rappers will always spend money on studio time because they get to do a million things in there and look cool. Mm-hmm. Marketing, there's no coolness or instant gratification of spending $800 on the marketing of your song or $1,000. It's just, damn, that's a lot of money. But if you believe in yourself, it's going to hit. Yeah on hit but there's no instant gratification and we suffer from that as a people like in general like it's no different than when a phone is sold out and you like yo um we don't got it but we could ship you the phone it's like now nah, i'm gonna try another store it's like if it's sold out you're just wasting your time because yeah. instant gratification of paying for the your, the new iphone and get it right here like i need it right here but it'll come in in three days if you just wait and be patient mm-hmm. but need instant gratification and until they get rid of that mindset and invest and think long-term success, they'll make it. Rich, man, I'm telling you, man, I really appreciate this interview. A lot of great gems, a lot of great insight. And that's why I tell people over and over, like I love doing interviews like this because there's so much to learn if you, if you really listen. And, and then there's something about learning from your peers. Artists, again, you, you're watching your own here. Myself, my team, we can say whatever we want and, and do whatever it is. But it just hits different when your very owner telling you what it is and what it isn't. And Rich, man, ever since we first met, uh, I've honestly become a, a fan of yours, a supporter of yours. Uh, man. I'm really thankful for what you've been doing, man. I know you have a very bright future. Please keep up the good work, brother. We need you. Definitely appreciate you, man. You do the same, man. Um, keep up the great work. Keep doing what you do, man. Um, and you know, we're going to see each other at the top. Absolutely, bro. You have a rest of the day, all right? The same, my hey, brother. Hey, guys, what's up? This is Arden here, welcoming you to today's edition of Foresight Daily. As always, thank you so much for tuning in and giving us the support that you've been giving us on our side, man. Love is love, for real. Thank you guys so much. Today's guest, our first guest of today, she is somebody who I had the chance to meet, I would say last year, as I was really just getting into the music scene of New York City in terms of going to events, covering it. And at first it was just like, wow, yo, she's like a really dope DJ. Yo, yo this set is fire. To actually getting to know her, seeing her work, actually being able to interview her. She was actually a part of an article that we did earlier this year. And ever since then, we really became cool. We really stayed connected. And she's somebody that's been thriving in both worlds of music and media. 
whether it's touching the stages of New York City and nationwide and providing the vibrations to doing stuff for Apple's Beats One, to even getting her content creating bag with verses as she shows her love for food. We have the only, we have the one and only Eswit in the building. What's up? Yo, what's poppin'? What's going on, man? Everything is good. Thank you so much for coming on. This was an interview I was really anticipating. Again, I know we did the article. You know, you, you gave us your personal do's and don'ts, and that was a great thing for us. But I really wanted to talk with you. I had to check in, make sure you was good. Yeah, I'm good, man. You know, I couldn't complain, but, you know, I prefer not to. You know, mm -hmm. a lot of other people are in more unfortunate situations than I am right now. So no need to complain. I'm good. I'm blessed. Absolutely. Absolutely. And when it just comes down to it, you know, it's crazy to think we're going on a couple of months, almost a couple of months of really being, you know, in this situation with this pandemic with COVID-19. How has it impacted your creative endeavors? Um, I mean, yeah, like you said, we're about a month in, 30 days or plus in. I don't think it has impacted my creative endeavors too much. Um, you know, I'm blessed to work or, you know, I'm, I'm blessed to have a career um, as a creative. Um, yeah. So, you know, with that being the day job, it still allows me to be creative around the clock. Um, you know, and a lot of people don't have that opportunity to do so. Um, it's unfortunate that, you know, I can't go into a physical studio and cook up or, yeah. you know, go out and touch people in that type of way. Um, but I think the best part about what's going on right now is the time. Um, you know, I'm a person of time and sometimes I just don't have enough time. You always run around checking on your friends, your family, your loved ones. You got your work schedule, you got your personal schedule. Then you got to go out and network at night. You got to go to the listening events, the concerts. So sometimes I just don't allow enough time to be creative on my own outside of what I do for work. Um, so, you know, us being on lockdown right now has allowed me to focus on myself a little bit more right now um, and focus on myself as a creative rather than the day job as a creative or, you know, being a creative for anybody else. Right now, I've been able to be a creative for my fir myself first above all things. And that's because uh, time, time has allowed me to. So I don't, I don't think... What's going on right now has restricted me too much. If anything, it's allowed me more time and more opportunity and more flexibility to get creative. Time has always been something in our lives where it's like either you understand it or you don't. And, and when it's either given to you or taken away, it really puts a lot of things in perspective. And it's always been a question that I just, I've enjoyed asking, you know, my, my, my friends, my, my folks that are creatives, because uh, I think all of us to an extent when this was really beginning to like set in, I think a lot of us had that moment of like, what, like what is happening? How is this really going to impact what I'm doing? So you often have to take a pause before you really just continue to go ahead with your plans. And I'm really happy to hear that, that you've been able to still cook up and make sure things but are see, I'm the opposite of everybody. I'm, you know, I'm like a situational uh, extrovert. I don't know if that's the actual term. Um, but we, you, know, you can make it one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I actually prefer to be at home. You know, mm -hmm. I, I actually prefer to take my time doing things. I like, um, you know, living in the moment and not rushing things. So, you know, you know, when they said that we was going to be on lockdown, I know a lot of people weren't excited, but you know, inside I was kicking and screaming like, yes, <laughs> I get to be home <laughs> and I get to just focus on me and enjoy being home and do the things that, you know, I haven't been able to do. So total opposite of what most people would think. And I probably sound crazy, but I, you know, I enjoy it. 
what heck at this point with how some of us have been embracing it we turn it into you i know i'm turning into you as well i've been loving being at home now but uh you know again part of the the intro i gave to you what it was the fact that you've honestly in my humble opinion become one of the emerging djs uh just throughout new york city you know i've had a chance to see you at multiple events whether it's been for genius or other brands and you've really not only just rocked the crowd but you have really interacted and been embraced by the people. And DJing has always been a staple of hip hop. It's always been a popular role, but it definitely seems like there's been a spike in that role and people wanting to do it one way or the other. So when you see that, how do you feel about it? Um, you know, not to, not to like toot my own, own horn or brag too much, um, but you know, something that I've been really passionate about lately is, you know, just reminding people of, you know, I think, how long I've been around. Um, I've been DJing actually 10 plus years, probably 15. Mm. Um, been DJing since a teenager. Um, you know, like you said, you've gotten opportunity to see me out as, at events and doing branded events and everything like that. But, um, you know, I think I've been able to see the evolution of DJing over the last decade plus, um, especially since I've come in. Like when I first came in the game, I think I was playing off of vinyls and CDs. Um, this is before Serato even existed. You know, we were still in the club with the CDs and the flashlights and, you know, flipping mm-hmm. through a book, um, similar to how people was going through vinyls. I had owned some vinyls. Um, then I was introduced to Serato. You know, I started off with vinyl first before I moved on to CDJs, and then I learned all the other interfaces. So, you know, I think I went through a slower process and build as far as becoming a DJ. Um, I was fortunate enough fortunate enough to have a lot of mentors around me. Um, you know, some of the most famous names to some of, you know, underground DJs, but, you know, I took a lot of pride in, you know, being a student first and learning first and wanting to go through the growing pains of being a DJ. Um, and like you said, like, you know, since I've been DJing or just over the course of the last decade, it has evolved. And I think because there's more accessibility to resources, more people, feel like they can DJ and there's nothing wrong with that you know if if you have a goal or you want to do something or something interests you you man go for it but I think there's a fine line between what is hobby and what is professionalism and it's not to knock anybody who enjoys it as a hobby um I think it just saturates and congests you know the opportunity for people who really like myself who may take it seriously um but yeah, it's a wave, you know, for a while, I even got frustrated off the fact that, you know, I thought that I was a female DJ who had some really dope skills, but you know, they were hiring DJs who weren't as skilled, but maybe they were a little bit better to look at during the event, you know, a little yeah. more sexy, a little bit more attractive, you know, whatever. So each their own with their opinions. Um, but yeah, I've just seen it evolve and I've even seen it go to, and I was just watching the new Coachella documentary. I advise anybody to watch it if they have some time. But I think that we were talking about how festivals have heightened uh, the popularity of the DJ, you know, where now you got Calvin Harris and, you know, uh, Marshmello, all these DJs who are like mega stars and can stand in front of audiences of hundreds of thousands of people and drive a crowd. Um, DJ culture has just evolved in general. I think the DJ has always been important. I've seen it go through waves, like I said, between people taking it as a hobby, between people taking it professionally, people taking it to higher heights so that we could all break through the glass ceiling. Um, I don't know if I answered your question directly, but you know, it's, oh, just, you have. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just been interesting. And I've just always taken a back seat 
and watching it evolve. Um, I've never had a desire to be like the most popular, the most famous DJ. I think I've always been more concerned about the skill and being um, best at my craft as possible and making sure I'm representing myself and the culture of DJing as best as possible when I'm going out in front of people. Um, I still enjoy being a student. I still enjoy watching everybody. I still enjoy being fans of other DJs. But yeah, it's just an interesting playing field. I'm interested to see where it goes. Um, I think technology has thrown a lot of people in the game, but it's ruled a lot of people out too. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, that's just my feelings on, you know, the evolution of, you know, DJ culture in general. And it's 100% accurate. It really is. It really is because, you know, I, I, I take DJing as, as a hobby. It was something I started off with just as a joke for, like, the weekly podcast I do just in the beginning. Like, I call myself DJ Turtlenegger because I'm, like, playing uh-huh. around. But it is a, but it is becoming that distinction. And it actually gives me a great follow-up to, to, to your next question, you know, being that you are somebody that has that tenure. And, and, and I think you're a prime example of what we go through with, like, folks that we look at and we first hear about them, we go, oh, you know, they're emerging, they must be new, but folks don't realize and that you're a veteran. You know, like you've really been around. It's just now you just hearing about me. It's not like you're this rookie or this person that just got on the scene. So now knowing that, again, you're somebody with this tenure, you, you, you've been around and you've been very active with your DJing career, what have been some of the things that you have improved on about yourself? Um, as far as being the DJ? Yeah. Ooh. Um, what are some things I've improved about myself? Um, I, I'll, I'll say this. Um, I used to have this program director uh, at SiriusXM. I had a show over at Sirius for a good handful of years um, before the show was canceled. And my program director used to be extremely hard on me. Um, about my DJing, like literally the day after we would come off of air, um, we would do these things called air checks and he would make me sit through the whole two hour show and listen through it with him. And he would pick it apart note by note. And it used to kill my ego. And I just be like, man, you know, what's the point of putting me on the radio? If you wasn't gonna let me do my thing, you gonna pick me apart. And you know, it's kind of like a coach. You, you thinking of yourself yeah. the same with a coach, man, you don't play ball. How you wanna tell me how to play ball? Like, you don't DJ, how you wanna tell me how to DJ? Um, but something that always, always stuck with me um, and I never forgot it. And I say this in every interview um, I do. He always told me preparation breeds confidence and that he could always tell that I wasn't prepared in the mix because he could hear the confidence level of my transitions and how I did things and how I played with directors in general. And, you know, I say that to say, no matter how nice you are, you always got to get better. Um, and for me, every day, every week, every event, every year, I'm constantly trying to find ways to get better it doesn't matter how long you've been in the game you always learning something new because there's thousands if not millions of songs out there so you know if I'm practicing or I'm walking into a session I'm going to encounter something new that I've never encountered before but if if I practice this out you know I'm good when I go out there um I would say you know I've practiced you know I'm not I'm not a scratching DJ Shout out to DJ Premier. I mean, when I first met him, he used to be like, yo, man, you good at what you do. Don't No pressure with the scratcher. Every DJ don't got to be a scratcher. Mm-hmm. So thank, thank you, Premier, you know, because I think I would have been a horrible scratcher in the club if I would have tried to pursue down that lane. But, um, you know, I've always focused on the things that I'm really good at and try to work on the weaknesses. You know, I think over the course of time, I've gotten extremely great with blends. 
you know, blending songs, BPM matches. Um, you know, now I've gotten into like playing with acapellas and instrumentals. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I've gotten really good with flow of music, identifying crowds. Um, I've gotten really good with diversifying my catalog and knowing what to pull out and not staying in one lane. Um, you know, I think my skill level has increased on all types of levels. Just, it's crazy. Like, everything has become more instinctive where now I don't have to practice as much. But, um, you know, preparation breeds confidence. Practice as much as possible. You know, uh, you know, work really hard on the things you're good at, but also work very hard on the things you're not good at. And, um, you know, that's just the results you get. But I think, you know, because of the time I've gotten good on all levels, I still think there's a lot of room for improvement. Um, I'm very hard on myself. If you see me do a DJ mix, you'd be like, man, that sounded good. Why you delete that? You know, I'm almost a perfectionist sometimes um, because it's like you're putting a product out there. So you want to be confident about that product that you're putting out there because, you know, if I'm going to judge myself, somebody else won't judge me the same way. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you my, I'm going to give you your flowers just from the standpoint of on IG Live almost two weeks ago, like, Four side, we did our first ever IG live, just playing records, kicking it, and like I just may have said, even though it's been a hobby, I, I've been taking little steps to learn how to improve, and having to go through forty minutes of sonically having to play the right records and knowing how long to play a record and playing with drops, I was like, yo, this gave me a whole nother perspective into what a full DJ set is like. So I commend you guys for that. And what, another thing that I've seen you done over the last year that's really been dope to me, like I've, I've been in tune with it. I love watching it. It's seeing you really get further into your content creating bag via your Versus series. You know, you have a, a, a great love for food. You chefing it up. I, I checked out your IG live recently when you was cooking up. Uh, what was the inspiration behind that? Um... I love to eat, uh, and, you know, I like to eat good food, um, and sometimes you can't always go out, so in order to eat good food, you got to learn how to make good food, um, model for my grandmama, um, you know, just spent a lot of time growing up paying attention in the kitchen, um, applying that, adapting it, and just kind of putting it to work, um, but yeah, it's just my overall love for food, I'm an OD foodie, like, you know, some people have spent hundreds of dollars on sneakers. Yo, bro, I can, we could go out right now, bro. I could eat you under the table, fam. We could spend a stack, you know, as long as it's good food, good drink, you know, like I I like investing in good lifestyle. Um, But yeah, that's just where it came from. I just, I just enjoy food. Like it's as simple yeah. as that. Um, And like you said, um, not to get it mistaken with what Swiss Beats and Timbaland is doing right now with their uh, music yeah. versus battles, um, but versus with the S's, uh, original spelling is, um a content series that I started with a friend of mine last year. Um, it was something that we were just playing around with. We both were working at a restaurant. You know, I had took some time to work part-time on the weekends at this restaurant in Brooklyn, you know, kind of like an apprenticeship um, to kind of get familiar with working in a commercial kitchen and, you know, what evolved from working at that kitchen was versus, and, you know, we got, had some fun with it. Uh, got a lot of great response from it. Um, Hopefully we can get back to it and keep evolving it. But just outside of verses, you know, um, you know, you know me as S-Wit, but the S stands for sauce. And, you know, sauce-wit is my food or lifestyle alter ego. Um, and sauce-wit is a brand that, you know, I want to continue to evolve. Um, 
you know, it's not a niche or something that I'm exploring that doesn't exist. You know, you have travel pages, you have food pages, you have drink pages. Um, but I just want to do it my way. Yeah. Um, I want to have fun with my friends by doing it. You know, I want to find more ways to integrate food and music, you know, especially since I straddle between both worlds. Um, and I would love my career in food to be just is not successful or big and you know, I, I want my career in food to be just as successful as my career in music, if not bigger. Um, yeah. it, it, it sounds weird, but you know, I, like I said, go back to what I said earlier, I, I never had a passion to be a superstar DJ because when I was coming up, DJs were superstars not on the level as they were now. Um, so, you know, I don't think that was never really a vision. I was always complacent and comfortable and happy that I was able to get in the game, do what I love, be consistent with it and still be here to today. Um, but I think, you know, the foodie thing is something that I want to take to a way different level than I was able to take the DJing thing. You know, no disrespect to the DJ thing, but you know, I just, I feel the same way about food that I did about music when I first fell in love with it. And that's the refreshing feeling that it gives me, um, you know, and I love them both equally. Mm -hmm. Last question I got for you before I let you go. Um, you've talked about just now your desire to excel in both lanes and, and to continue to grow. What do you believe will be the biggest key for that happening? Ask me that question one more time. You know, I was just saying, obviously, just now you just you know express your desire to be successful in, in, in both uh, lanes just now at, during your pursuit or time really as a creative, you know, what do you believe will be the biggest key to making that happen? Uh, continue to be unapologetically myself. Um, just bottom line. In, mm -hmm. all, all, in all aspects, you know, don't apologize for your creative. Don't apologize for what you want to do. Just, just be unapologetically myself. Um, it's worked before. It's going to continue to work. And I think that's just the key in anything I do. Just just be myself to the fullest and to the truest, um, and I'll get the best results from that. And I, I advise anybody that, you know. I've, I've been able to be successful being myself. I've gotten a lot of advice or, you know, commentary over the years on, you know, what I should be doing. Um, you know, I'm very anti-advice, you know. If, if, if this is what you told me I should be doing, I'm going to do the total opposite because I feel like now you're putting limits on me. And, you know, eight times out of 10 or nine times out of 10, I prove myself right. Just go the opposite way, you know. And that's why we get some of the most successful people we see today. You know, we watching this Jordan documentary. Yeah. Um, which I think is, is just real refreshing. It's inspiring. Uh, you know, I was having a conversation with a few friends of mine the other day. And one of my friends said to me that he thought Jordan was an asshole. And, you know. I said back to him, sometimes y'all think I'm an asshole, but sometimes that's who you got to be to get to where you got to go. And people won't mm -hmm. understand that. And, you know, that's another thing. You got to you gotta kind of not worry about people liking you. Everybody ain't going to like you. Um, I think that's something we're really worried about in this current generation. You know, we're so concerned about everybody liking us. I don't give a fuck if you like me or not, bro. You know, it's, it's 7 billion people in the world. I can find my niche audience, and that niche audience can literally be a million people. If you don't like me, go find somebody else you like. You know, I'm going to be me. And whoever liked me and gonna follow me, they gonna like me and follow me, and that's what we're gonna do. Not to intentionally be an asshole, but you know, I'm focused on the goal and I ain't worried about nothing else. Y'all opinions, your work ethics, nothing. Um, so you know, that Jordan mentality, you know, some people prefer the mama mentality, but I like the Jordan mentality. So tell you gotta be an asshole. Mm-hmm. 
Eswit, thank you so much for this interview, man. We really, really appreciate it. it. It's never lost on us, the love you show us, you know, how in tune you've been with what we've been doing with Foresight. And you already know on our end, we truly love and support what you do. I'm grateful for the fact that we've been able to connect and stay in touch. You continue doing what you do. We as a culture need it. You're grateful for what we do. Thank you so much for this interview, Eswit. You have a good rest of the day. Yo, you too, man. Anytime. So following what you just said, you, you also had mentioned just again, like your peer group, the folks that uh, you hang out around. And I've been able to see up close along with for afar. You guys are a tight knit group. You, Nico, KP, and, and a few others. You know, how would you describe the importance of just being around good people like that, that, that challenge you in a healthy manner and just take the time to actually understand you? Because I honestly, I would say, especially when it comes to like, groups of friends who do work in music or something, it's very easy for most of the group to just pressure one person and to just push them ahead. And it feels like, at least from my end, for what I've been able to see, right, you guys all do your own things with music. You guys all release and do things differently. But it seems to be just a common understanding of one another and a genuine support. Yeah, so, I mean, it's everything. You know, I'm like, we're not going to sit here and lie. It's everything. I think everybody needs a support system, whether you're trying to overcome a, a bad habit or whether you're trying to achieve or manifest whatever it is you deem success. So, I mean, we as individuals, it's like we don't ever, like, pressure. I mean, we have real-life situations that are more pressure pressurized, I would say, than music. Mm. or like the life or that kind of thing. You know, we've luckily had people that we look up to in the industry who have been through and are currently going through some of the dramas and the things like when it comes to working with some of your closest friends and people you grew up. But you know, the difference between us is like, we all grew up before music, you know? It was like, I don't ever see any of them or myself like steering away from us you know we're brothers everybody's gonna have we're not a we're not a group like you know what i mean we're we're a talent group of individuals who support each other love each other care for one another you know what i'm saying we spend holidays and things with our family so it's that's not something you know we're always like i said we're aware of it but we don't we hear it we see it we've seen people be ruined by it and that's not the case for us you know, we we care more more than that. You know, we care more than an accolade or the idea of being famous or successful. You know, that's bound to come for all of us. Mm-hmm. So why change for that, to achieve that, if it's just bound to come? Patience is our, our, our strong suit. So. That's right. And, you know, side note, again, when I was thinking about what I was going to say for you in the intro, I was like, what was like the first record? that I heard from, from, from Rashawn. And I remember, I forgot the name of it, but you had sampled A Night Off by Drake and Lloyd. It was She Said. She Said. And I remember yeah. that was the record, especially after we initially met, because you you was with Nico when we had Nico on, on the podcast for the first time. Right. And I remember thinking like, yeah, I'm rolling with this guy. I'm like, anybody that properly uses a Drake record, is, 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 is okay in my book. And just speaking about what you said, again, I'm, I'm, I'm just honestly is very proud of what you've been able to do and handle yourself. And 
it leads me into my next question, which is a lot of artists, regardless if they're as young as yourself to older, a lot of artists often deal with the, 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 the journeys of, all right, when you're active, you're active and doing what you got to do. And then you're handling certain things there. And then of course it could be that, that daunted task for some to come back and to get themselves going again and finding that motivation. And, you right. know, I want you to just take the time, especially for anybody out there watching this, whether they're a musician or a creative, a creative, what would be your greatest piece of advice to them if they're going through a time like that, where they're just really trying to figure things out before ultimately presenting or representing their work to the world? Um, patience. You know, I think, like, that's my strong suit. Like, I'm very patient. I'm not lethargic or stagnant. You know, there's a difference. So patience provides you moments of clarity where even if you're at a low, you're still able to see that path to that, that way out. So um, I would say you know, you got to be patient and you got to be transparent with the world, what you believe in, you know, the, the powers invested in you. You have to be absolutely transparent. The things you ask for and the way you want the world to be or the way you want people to be or you uh, care for certain things, you have to be that in a physical, mental, emotional, every type of way, you know what I'm saying? So talk about it. For real, you know, be be vocal and like I said with that support group, let not all advice is gonna help you. It's just a fact. But some advice you can create a different niche for yourself and you can create a new way that might have not been working. You know what I'm saying? So I definitely think being patient, speaking about it, and um Honestly, keep going. Don't give up. Like, that's just the realest shit. Like, sometimes people say don't give up first, but I feel like in those moments, it's easier said than done. So, you know. 100%. Everybody goes through that, runs into that wall of some sort. You know, but just remember, there's different ways you can go through it or yeah. around it or over it or under it, you know. So, just the perspective and have an open mind to the fact that Yes, I'm not the only person going through this, but I'm different because it's my story. Mm -hmm. You know, so Absolutely. stay true to it, and 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 that's really it, bro. That's honestly how. I, that's what I did. That's with the advice I would give to people. Absolutely, and you know, just to bring things back to a lighter note before wrapping it up uh, again, you know, even with what's been happening, you, you still have yourself in a position where. You know, you can survive what's happening, right? So we talk about the new single with KP that you dropped with called right. Ghost. Last winter, there was Feds watching that, again, salute to y'all for getting on the radio. That caught a nice run right there. And I also seen the fact that in some way or other, you've been involved with, like, other visuals or other records of some sorts. Uh, long, long question short, it's even with what's happening now with this pandemic, how do you see those records and what you've been doing in recent months helping you just get through this time period? Um, 
well, being that I also don't drop as frequently as everybody else, you know, it's like, um, it helps a lot. You know, I'm actually gearing up to drop a couple singles. I'm not sure if I want to drop it in an EP format. So this way it gives me a little more time to, you know, get the project right for everybody because that's yeah. something I'm, I'm four, three to four years overdue on a project. You know, everybody's been telling me and, you know, I tell everybody the same thing, like, you know, just be patient. I promise what I'm doing is not, I'm not just trying to get on a beat and shock, like shock the world. That's not what I'm aiming for. Yeah. I'm getting on a record and I'm letting it go. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm getting on a beat and I'm, and I'm channeling the things that are bothering me. Like, you know, I'm really tapping in. I'm getting engaged and I'm learning that not everything is the go to, you know, not every record is that record. And not that I'm looking for that record, but I'm, I'm learning to create more and have fun with it. So it doesn't feel like I'm creating the same thing, you know? So those records help because it's just, like I said, bro, it's just gives me time to think, it gives me patience, you know, it, it helps, but I'm definitely not going to go another six months without dropping right here. You know, I'm, I'm done. I'm done in that, in Please. that, like, in that standpoint. Yeah, bro. Please. I, Come on. I, know. Bro. I mean, shout out my, shout out my boy, Jordan. Um, you know, Jordan Tucker. He, That's right, JT, man. I just saw him the other day. Yeah, he was, yeah, he was out here the other day with me. Yeah. And, um, you know, shout out to him, man. He's, he's definitely been someone who, you know, with him trying to go to the NBA and me trying to break, like, really break into the industry, we've definitely, the last, like, it's always been my brother since we were in, like, seventh, eighth grade. So, you know, but lately, this is probably the most, uh, the biggest moment in our life that, you know, that we never Perhaps. knew, that we never really knew was possible. You know, it, it, it might have been there, but we never knew, damn, we're really this close. So, you know, we've been spending a lot of time, whether it's watching film or he's here in the studio with me cooking up. And, you know, we've just been spending a lot of time encouraging each other. And, you know, just because we're both in that in that space right now. And he's always telling me, like, bro, like, and, you know, he goes live and he plays some of my shit. And, yeah. Bro, legit, I'll have 13, 14 DMs, bro, just from people like, yo, add more stuff on the Apple Music. When is this coming out? Can you drop this song he played on his live? And it's like, I'm ready, bro. You know, I'm, I'm excited. Nico, Nico's ready for me to drop. KP's ready. The people I care about are ready, my mom and all of them. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm excited. And the one thing is, is like, I've learned that, in my patience now where I'm at in that level from where I started, that it has a rhythm to it. Now yeah. I gotta, yeah, I have a rhythm to it. People don't understand that you can have a rhythm to things like that. Yeah. You know, it's all, it's, it's all at the beat of your drum. So I'm definitely doing everything that I gotta do. I'm working every day. You know, I'm, I'm about to go finish the project in Miami. So I'm mm -hmm. excited about that. Yeah. Hey man, uh, a lyric from a, a wise man who I listen to closely Again, 24 hours from greatness. I'm that close. I'm, I'm that close. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Rashawn, thank you so much, man, for coming on the show. Seriously, you already know whether it's me personally or just Foresight as a whole, we, we truly support what you do, man. We truly got love. Again, it's like 
when times were actually good times, you know, we go right. outside and, and we see people and it could be a lot of fake love with the dab hugs and stuff. And, but right. with you, you, for me personally, man, you was one of those few guys who, when I saw you, I was generally, genuinely happy to see you. So Thank like, you. boy's looking good. He's working, <laughs> he's out here. So when we had that moment, it's, it was always genuine love, bro. Cause I truly love yeah, what bro. you do. We're truly supportive, man. And uh, again, thank you so much, bro. Yeah, bro. Thank you to Force God. I mean, I appreciate you guys, you know, not only for what you do for me, but for the area, you know, so my brothers, my, my close friends, even artists that are out there, you know, like Johnny Price, whether it's Tay-Tay Benz, you know what I'm saying, Shorts, whoever it may be, Scotty, all of those guys, you know, even my guy, Hoodie Mitch, he's not even, he's from here, but he's in L.A. right now. Yeah. So. You know, we appreciate you guys, and on the behalf of me, I've always just, you know, there's no, there's no reason to greet anybody off of how they look. You know what I'm saying? I, that's not the testament to being a man is not judging a book by its cover, only mm -hmm. by what it reveals to you. So it's like, you've been straight up, you've been straightforward, and you know, that's just how I walk in life. You know, you never know who, not even know who's who, but you may never know who's having a bad day or a bad year or it's whatever it is. So I'm not gonna, you know, if I could be that light, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do just that. You know, that's what I was born and that's what I'm here for. So thank you, Forsyth. Thank you, my brother, Arden. You know, I appreciate you guys. And I'm, I'm geared up to drop some shit. So when I do, I'll definitely, you know, I'll, I'll send you some, some unreleased shit that I've been working please, on. Please, please, bro. We definitely yeah, bro. need that. All right, thank you so much, bro. I got you, bro. Have a good one. You too.